Hi, Broadway fans. Welcome back for another week of Broadway Breakdown here on Popcorn Talk Network. It is the end of June, and we're talking fun home, so don't go too far. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. This is like the most upbeat song, I think, on the entire I know. With all these little children voices. It's fun. It's, I mean, it's fun, but they're singing in a funeral home, which is something I, mean, yeah. I, I completely, I completely love because... <laughs> the darkness. It's like, a, well, she references in the book, we'll talk about the book a little bit later, but you know, it's like the Adams Family. Yeah. I love Six Feet Under, so I love that kind of like having a whimsical, humorous moment in a funeral home. I also love the like Michael Jackson reference in the, in the background music. Which oh, is- Yeah. Kind of like A B C. Yeah, we're in a funeral home. One, two, three. (laughs) Super happy. Right, exactly. (laughs) Hi everyone, welcome to Broadway Breakdown. Like I said, we're talking fun home today. Um, I am your host, Brianna Phipps. You guys can reach me at bphipps14 on Twitter and Instagram. And Jackie, where can they find you? I'm one, two, three. Jackie B on all platforms, and that's Jackie J A C Q U E. Um, We had talked about this before the show started. That we didn't plan it, but it kind of just worked out that we had a fun home plan for this, which is a, a very large theme, and it is coming out of the closet and being well, it's the in first, the closet it's the and first becoming Broadway, a sexuality. Yeah, it's the first Broadway musical with a lesbian protagonist. There's yes. just not like and so a for, lot of for, musicals for Pride, that feature for lesbians. For us to end our last show for the month of Pride with this musical just seems kind of appropriate. Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy that I realized that today, too. I was, like, looking at all the, the Pride posts uh, on Twitter today, and I was like, oh, yeah, we're doing Fun Home, a very Pride-positive Pride, uh, musical. Um, this musical was written... It's a graphic novel written right. by Alison Bechdel. Yes. And uh, was turned into a musical from that graphic novel. So yes. I think we, the, we should start off kind of feeling out for those maybe that haven't read the graphic novel a little bit between the play and the novel what is different what's kept the same I think that overall the feel of the novel is still there in the play yes um and I like how in the play she kind of ties in her like the kind of drawing she wants to do is gra- mm-hmm. like comic drawing graphic yep. novel drawing and her dad like thinks that's plebeian as he thinks so many of the things he's a very pretentious sort of yeah so many of her ideas that she's so drawn to it's interesting because they're like like she says in the play alike and not alike Mm -hmm. there's so many things that she's drawn to that he's like oh no that's just not acceptable one thing that i read in the novel a line that i loved and i wished it was kind of in the play in some is that she mentions like how he always wants to dress her up he always wants to put her in dresses and pearls and there is a scene in the play in which uh, he he makes her wear a dress and she's like very upset about it. And there's this like little moment before she sings the the song about the keys, which we will show you guys later, um, where he's making her put like a barrette right, in her, her hair. hair. Yeah. And she was is basically saying, oh, why don't I just have a crew But cut? the line from the book was like her just realizing like he was trying to dress me up because he couldn't dress himself up. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yes. That I mean, that so doesn't... he was trying to impart... Like, I mean, I, go, I know it goes without saying, but it just was right. like such a profound line to read. Right. And that she wanted everything that he was wearing and that he got to do. Right, So that they exactly. wanted from each other what they couldn't have. Exactly. And there was the... I mean, they're, they have something similar in that, like, they both struggled with being gay. Um, and then the large difference is, is, like, 
you know, her as as a lesbian, she was attracted to the more like butch gay, mm-hmm. the more masculine. And then he was attracted to like very like feminine. Except for the one guy. Yeah. Like, the camping dude. Yeah, he but that I was mean like a very off character for him. His personal interests, I think I was thinking of more, were like he loved decorating yeah, yeah, yeah. and dresses and art. No, I knew what you were saying, but I was just like even like when you look at the other men he was kind of into, like there was like either a youngness about them or a feminine side about them, and then there's just that one random guy. Yeah. That's like very mountain man. Yes. Um I think he was just experimenting with whatever yeah. was in the neighborhood. Um, whatever you can But uh, fun fact, um, Alison Bechtel, uh, she's, also, she's like a um, kind of like a philosopher almost. Uh, I, I mean, I would call her a philosopher. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard because it's like when you write a graphic novel, then people start to like see you in a different way and put you in like a different... <laughs> box or whatever but i would call her a philosopher and she um she came up with this test that's called the bechtel test that's a test for um feminist film but i mean you can apply it to other media and it's basically do you uh, does does the film or piece of art or work of art contain um and it maybe it doesn't even apply to film. I learned this in film school. So I should give, like, full disclosure, like, maybe she came up with this theory for all art and um, the way it pre- was presented <laughs> to me. The way that was, you took it was Yeah, it was just through the film. So it's, do you have uh, two <clears throat> two women in, in the piece, do they talk to each other, and do they talk to each other about something that's other than a man? And you would be surprised that if you apply this to a lot of films today and a lot of television shows, I I think they're getting better just because the format is longer. So Mm -hmm. you might have, like, for for, um, broadcast TV, you would have, like, 20 episodes to be able to, like, have women talk to each other about Mm -hmm. something else other than a man. But you'd be surprised at how much film does not pass this test like you either have like so few women and they never interact or when they do interact it's a conversation and not just like saying like oh i like this guy and i think he's cute or what about him or whatever but it's amazing how the conversation just revolves around just revolves around the guy um and there's so few and i think her point was is there's so uh there's still so few like film and tv shows that really center around women and women's issues yeah um, which is something wonderful about this play is that not only um, does it center around like her and her issues um, with coming out of the closet, but um, it's to me it's exciting to have a lesbian protagonist because I feel like so not just in uh, not just in theater, but I feel like on in television too. Like if you go to Logo, it's so much about gay men that. You know, it's been so many years since we had shows like The L Word. Yeah. So. There's also the, you know, she does, especially in the book, she talks a lot also about other, like, you know, getting her period, discovering masturbation and all of these things that I feel like women aren't usually talking about. Like, we do see it sometimes and stuff, but it's usually like kind of like a no-no. Women aren't supposed to like talk about these things. Yeah. I mean, and that's not the only no-no. I mean, she's talking about her dad's relationship with... Um, a lot of these guys that he was dating were underage. underage. They were teenagers. And, and even, like, the way he would go about it was very, like... Yeah, and so she's talking not only about her own, like, 
personal taboos, but then the taboos of like her dad hiding these relationships mm-hmm. as well. And it's like, and also just, I think it's such a unique thing in like that she discovers herself and then through that reevaluates her entire life. Yes. Um, I, I really appreciate that. I, I wrote a note on it. I said, uh, she literally in the play, we have her, like, we have three versions of Allison. Mm-hmm. We have like little Allison. Then we have what they call middle Allison, which is like Allison in uh, college years. And then we have Allison at her narrator, current age, Allison. who's the narr- narrator. Um, and she's literally looking back on her life and piecing things together and making sense of them. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, like certain things like, oh, that time when uh, mom was really stressed out. Now it makes sense. It was about the time that my dad was getting brought up on charges for giving a boy a beer that was 17. Right. And I mean, and obviously as a as a kid, you're not you're not cognizant really of what's happening. And the mom knew that it was more than just a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, obviously, the I, I from what I got was the mom knew a lot more, but was just in denial. Yeah, that's the way she presents it. Is that the mom like the, pretty the mom, much exactly what was mom's going on. just accepting everything that's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like just it's such a sad thing, like even like her showing her mom's like being full of life in this beginning of this relationship with her father, and then like like through the passport photo like here's her um on her first passport to visit my dad to get married and she's all like luminescent and happy and smiling and then the next passport photo is her and the dad with two of the children and she's just stone-faced and tired looking and it almost makes me a little sad though that i wish i wish there was like a fun home to book or a musical where she explores her relationship with her mom, mom. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because she wasn't very close to her mom, but at the same time, you feel like not only did the mom get second shrift in her marriage because she was married to a, a man who liked men, but then she kind of gets second shrift in this play because like uh, because the play is exploring really um, Allison, Allison either coming out or, or coming out in relationship to like her dad's struggles. I mean, I took it as that she was able to... She wrote this book because she was starting to be able to find connections between her and her dad, which she never was able to do before as much. And I think that she still just maybe at this point or she already had and didn't want to talk about it, had doesn't just have those connections with her mom. They don't yeah. they seem like they're very different people. And even in the play, like they have those little things, but she's like she doesn't even want to tell her mom she got her period. Yeah. And, you know, like, she reads lines with her mom, but, like, there's still, like, a very distance between them. And there's that moment in the play where she, you know, she's trying to come out to her parents, and her dad basically is the one who relates to her by being like, here, read this, read this, I'm giving you these books to read Mm -hmm. to understand it, because he understands it himself, having struggled with it himself, lived it, um... But yeah, it does. It does. Mom, I mean, when it she does bum me out a bit whenever I see a woman character. And this obviously, you know, like side characters are made to be side characters. But um, it does bum me out when I, whenever I see like, especially the mom characters be like second shift because like, as women get older, you know, I mean, they, she also they might, don't always get these meaty roles. She also might not just that the have, actress who played her was that old. Like some resentment towards her mom because her mom when she came out, first thing was kind of not a very positive response. Yeah. Um to her like I, th- I mean neither of her parents were but in different ways right but i think her mom like i think her mom is her opinion was more like 
oh, I now, I now I have to deal with it with my kid because I had to deal with yeah. it with my like, husband. Like her just all of a sudden unleashing everything about her father to her, which is, you could argue, is like not her place to say. Right. Um, like making it about her when her daughter's trying to come out to her. It's like she might harbor some still resentments or towards that and maybe she just didn't want to explore into that yet because maybe this was a pretty heavy thing to explore into so maybe it's just going to take a while for her to explore into her relationship with her mother yeah also it's harder i feel like to explore relationship with the parents if they're still alive like if you don't necessarily have a extremely positive relationship with them no it that is be... true i don't actually know if her mom is still alive or not i just assume so yeah i think i just assumed as well yeah um but if you guys if you know otherwise and i know uh, she might not even have shared that, you know, some people like, um, private lives are still private to some extent. So we might not even know. Um, I do want to touch upon like her coming out and her, the way that she figured this out, which, cause it's such like a, an interesting kind of way that like to find out this about yourself is to like go to the library and read a book and then, yeah, I Buy mean, more of, books and more books and more books and then like just start seeing yourself more and more and all these people and be like, wait. Yeah, I think I feel like like part of that was because she uh, she re- she re- reacts or relates to things in an intellectual way. Um, and so does her dad. So like her dad's advice was like, read this book. And like for that, for her, it, that just like opened up a floodgates of like, oh, this is how I'm going to like intellectually understand it. And at the time she was in college, she's like in her forties. She's in her forties when she was in college in like the late eighties, early nineties. Um, I was having a hard time trying to place exactly the years of of the musical because like when I first saw the Tony Awards production, like by the clothing alone, I was thinking 70s. Well, yeah, I think the she was a kid in the 70s. So um, she would have been in college probably late 80s. Late 80s, early 90s, yeah. Um, and I think that, like, in the late 80s, early 90s, people were feeling... Uh, there was still a taboo, but people were feeling a little bit more, more comfortable, comfortable coming out. But I think that her coming from, like, a small rural town where her dad was already closeted, it was like, you see this moment of her... Um, being hesitant to even go to the like LGBT center when she's like invited to the center by Joan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she has her for her. It was much easier to be like, okay, I'm having a hard time like reaching out and like interacting with these people because I don't know what to do. And so reading was like the best, the best thing that she knew how to do or the best way for her to cope. Yeah, I do appreciate that throughout the play that they have her like writing the story as it's happening. Mm-hmm. So she's like scribbling out stuff as the play is going. She's like scratch that, rewrite like yeah. caption. So I like really like that they brought that aspect of it like from page to um stage. I guess yeah. that's that's yeah. way to say it. Page to stage. Um it was just it was just fun because like I had no idea that this was a graphic novel at first. And I don't like think like you know when you go see a play like a lot of people don't wouldn't think like oh this might be a novel i should go read i'd love to see more because like we've had plays from novels like les mis is a novel but i don't know if they're such a personal thing too yeah i don't know if there have been any plays made out of other plays like big broadway plays made out of a graphic novel there might be in more like not musical way 
Right. But in musical, I don't think that they're really I would is. just, I, I, I love graphic novels. So I would love to see another play made from a graphic novel. And this graphic novel was interesting because you're right. It was something so very personal. Because mm-hmm. usually when people think of graphic novels, they think like superheroes. Yeah, like Watchmen. Yeah. Um, I read Moss and Moss too. Like, they're all like someone's, an exterior story. Right. And something usually like fantasy based or something. And this it, and this novel is very raw. Like she gets into a lot of stuff that is very personal. I feel is, like with this and with the play, you have to have like a whimsical medium to examine something so heavy mm-hmm. because not only do they like live and work in a funeral home, but then it's like you're dealing with problems of coming out and you're dealing with problems of like your dad with underage people mm-hmm. and, and well I also appreciate the comedy they bring into it because um you know whenever you're in a job where you're dealing with death or when you're dealing with just a lot of very hard things on you you have to make light of them almost to be able to cope with it yeah you know like you can't just sit there and be yeah because it's focused too on he- the depression if it's, yeah, all the time if it's too heavy you just don't so the you fact don't that wanna, they, you want to check out yeah you know? so you're like fact, i can't handle the fact that they call the funeral home the fun home yeah and stuff like that whereas like a third part might be like wow that's really dark and disrespectful like why are you calling this that why are you wanting to get into the graves of these people but it's like one these are all these kids new right they didn't know any different and two you know same like i said like you have to take away the sadness factor of it, especially if you're around it all the time yeah which is why like it's so interesting but so real that when her father does die that she doesn't have this over emotional reaction she she's been around death her whole life so it's to her it's not necessarily like this knee-jerk i'm crying reaction plus her relationship was strained with her father yeah i think it's also surreal to her because like she's she thinks her father, like her ultimate conclusion, is that her father committed suicide, but it's uh, never been proven. It's never been proven, and so, like, I think part of it is like trying to figure out how to deal with that mystery, how to like look back on your past and kind of understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think for her, like the therapy is in like piecing things together and she's still kind of in that state of like, or at least at the point that she wrote the graphic novel um, and at the point that the play was written, you're still in that state of like discovery and shock and not quite like your grieving comes later. I will say along with what you said about the mother that I would have enjoyed getting to know the brothers a little bit more too. Because I feel like we got even less of them. Yeah. And I mean, we got less of them as they got older. Like you you have this, like the song we played at the beginning, you have this great song where but they're all kind of I think that's like, why I want more of them is because they seem to have a good relationship with each other. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, so I, I wanted to see you. some yeah. more of like this like happy relationship. Right. Well, you're curious, like what happens to everybody when they get older and mm. like how do they relate and... um and if they're straight, how do they relate all to this? But if they're gay, how do they relate all? Like we don't know enough information. Yeah, about like them. we all we know is that, which it took me a little while even with reading the book to piece together that there was two brothers, because she doesn't even like really state that another brother came in. There, but then all of a sudden there was just three pictures. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, so there's another brother. <laughs> there's another brother. He's there. Um, but yeah, it's like we don't get too much about them at all. Like besides the fact that they hung out as kids, they played in the funeral home. They went on that camping trip and saw the snake. And again, it's like 
what you said earlier with the mom, when people are alive, I'm, again, I'm making this assumption that yeah. they're still alive. And when they're alive, maybe she doesn't, maybe she has a good relationship with them and doesn't want to talk about them when they're older out of like, uh, you know, respect for their privacy or something like that. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's a test to her writing and to this play that you want to get to know these characters more. Yeah, they're because all really they were, fascinating. Yeah, if they weren't written well, you wouldn't care about them and you wouldn't want to know them. Right, right. She she has um, she has a way of really captivating an audience with in a short amount of time, and it's mm-hmm. the same thing. You know, graphic novels are it, it's a novel, so it's a little bit longer than you know a comic book. But it's still short, and um, the play itself is only one act, so you have this short amount of time where you really get to know people. I do love in the play that, like, all the boyfriends basically are one person. Yeah, I love that, too, because it's just, I mean, he's just, it's almost making this point that it's like, he's just looking for somebody, and it's a guy. Yeah. And it it almost doesn't matter who, just because he's he knows he's gay and he's just reaching out to like some guy, any guy, to like make a connection. And it gets so like also with like the boyfriends coming out and stuff, and like once she her mother has told her and she's discovering this, and they have that one song where there's just the yelling between the parents, and then him being like, "Everyone in this town knows who I am." It's yeah. just like a like you think about that, and you think about being kids. How much kids pick up on that adults don't think they pick up on? Like how and many how much? Happen? I mean, how much kids understand certain things on like a fundamental level that you can't really like express or explain till you're older? The my favorite song is the song um, about the butch lesbian who comes in with the keys, the one that is going to be we're going to play later on. Um, but I love that song just because you have. So you have these kind of like dichotomous things happening where she as a writer is looking back and giving voice to herself when she was younger Mm -hmm. and explaining things. But still as a kid, she knew that this woman walked in and there was something that she connected with with this woman and maybe um, she couldn't quite explain it or put her hands on it. So you have this great moment where you have like adult Allison reaching out to younger Allison to be like, here, I'll fill in the pieces here of what you were experiencing. There's also the sadness afterwards of like, her father being like, is that how you want to dress? Yeah. Or is that how you want to look? And her knowing immediately that she can't say yes, like that that's not the right answer for right. him. Right. Which is so, I mean, and then of course it's like her father's dealing with his own like issues of like, well, this has to look right and this has to go here and like the windows have to look like this. Um, so he has these very specific ideas about things and he doesn't give her room to have her own specific mm-hmm. ideas. I mean, he's been controlling literally all of his kids' lives. Right. Down to, like, the cleaning and stuff. Like, there's no room for love and emotion when it comes to that. So that, I mean, then I felt great when she got to go off to college and she sings um, this, like, whimsical song about I'm majoring in Joan when she... She she never leaves the bed. (laughs) Yeah. And and I love that moment for her, too, because you feel like she's been in this, like, small town and she's been in this controlling atmosphere and she kind of gets this moment of, like of real freedom Mm -hmm. and and she's really happy and it's so and it's so like cute because um she kind of doesn't know what to do with it yeah it's like she's been told her whole life like one thing and she just knows that she doesn't want the one thing that she's supposed to want which is men 
but she doesn't know that she wants women. And right. There's this woman walks into her life and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. This is what I wanted. And I have to say that actress, um, I forgot to write Roberta down. Roberta Calindras? The, the um, one who plays Joan? No, or the, the one, one who plays little Allison. Small Allison or medium Allison? Small Allison. Sydney Lucas. Her. She got nominated for Tony and. She was great. You're going to see, when you see it in the clip, like, I, I, the girl I saw, I saw the tour, and the girl I saw on the tour was wonderful, but there's just something about her performance, um, the original Broadway actress who got nominated for Tony, there's something about her performance that's so captivating and makes you so believe that she's young, like, that she's really young Allison. I mean, yeah, you'll see it in her eyes. It's... Yeah, it's this, when she is singing about the lady with the keys, you're really feeling like this girl has made a connection. Like you're, you're wanting almost the camera to pan over to so you can see the lady with the yeah, keys. Yeah, yeah, because you feel like she really has made a connection. It's all in her, it's all in her, like, eyes and in her voice about, like, how much she feels about this moment, this yeah. aha moment. Um, we do have Jeff Graham, who is a host here uh, and has been on the show a couple times. He wanted to be here today. He couldn't be here, but he wanted to give us his thoughts on the musical and the book because he's seen. I hope both he wasn't actually. It. I'm watching. I'm looking at this video. I hope he wasn't actually driving. I think he's parked. Okay, I've watched the video. And I'm pretty Don't sure he's drive parked. and send us videos. Um, but we're gonna play the video that he sent us with his thoughts on it. Hello, Bree and Broadway Breakdown crew. Uh, I'm here to talk about Fun Home. Uh, my name is Jeff Graham. If you guys want to find me online, you can do so at Jeffrey C. Graham. I've been on the show before for super fans. I was also in the Jersey Boys episode. But I'm here today to talk about Fun Home. Okay, I love this book and I love this show. And I'm excited to talk about kind of my overall thoughts of both the book and the show. Um, I was exposed to the book almost exactly four years ago. Um, one of my friends was like, Jeff, I read this book. It's called Fun Home. You need to read it. Um, so I did. And... But before I read it, he kind of pitched me. He's like, so this is this graphic memoir um, written by a lesbian cartoonist about her father's suicide. And I was like, mm, that doesn't necessarily sound like a book I would connect with because I'm obviously not a lesbian cartoonist with a dad who killed himself. Um, but what amazed me so much about this book was that I connected to it on a very deep and personal level. Um, Alison Bechtel, I think, has done this amazing thing where she has written something incredibly specific and niche, but somehow managed to universalize it and kind of write this dramatic retelling of a family story. Um, and I think she's like kind of miraculously managed to just tell a dysfunctional family dramedy that anyone can connect to who grew up in a family, which is everyone. Um, so I read this book in like one sitting. Um, I love it so much. I think it's an amazing book. It's filled with a lot of literary allusions um, that are really kind of well integrated and smart. And I kind of think in a lot of ways it was just a book made for me and I loved it. Um, that being said, I was really, really excited when I found out they were developing it into a show. Um, I was a bit skeptical because I, having read the book, I didn't at all envision it as a musical. Um, but I like Janine Tesori and Lisa Kron, and I was like, okay, I like their previous work. There's a good chance. I think this is well-matched material. Um, and I, so I went to go see this show in February at the Pantages. I think February. You can check those dates. But I just saw the show at the Pantages recently. Um, when I go see musicals, I don't really like to listen to too much of the music before, because I like to go in and be kind of surprised. I still haven't really listened to the Hamilton soundtrack, because eventually I'll see that show, um, when it doesn't cost $16 million. But... I went in to Fun Home not knowing much, um, and I really, really liked the show. 
Um, music first. I think it's really, really wonderful, beautiful, um, just, yeah, elegant music. Um, I think that show especially writes these confessional songs that weave so effortlessly into the plot that it's kind of astounding. I think it's like really wonderful, beautiful, rich, um, emotional music. So I really like the music in this show. As to my overall thoughts of the show, I think it's a really good show. I don't know if I think it's like an amazing show like other people do. Um, to be honest, I think that reading the book is an overall more satisfying experience. Something about this show felt a little incomplete to me. Um, and the more I think about it, the more I think that might be kind of the point. Um, there's a lot of moments in the music, for example, where um, the lyrics and the music will kind of not finish their thoughts. They'll kind of leave you hanging. Um, so in Ring of Keys, for example, which is one of the huge songs of the show, um, young Allison will say, I want, I want, and she won't finish her thought. And so it's kind of this incomplete thing and you're left to fill in the gaps. And it's really true to life because a lot of times we're not able to fully express our emotions when our hearts are full, I guess, which is kind of the point of a lot of the decisions that are made in the show. But in a way that kind of all added up to me in a way that felt incomplete at the end of my viewing experience, something about it didn't feel totally narratively fulfilling to me in the way that the book does. That being said, I think it's a really beautiful show. I think it's a really special show, and I think it's a show that everyone can see. Like the book, they've managed to create a very specific experience of this lesbian from small town Pennsylvania with a suicidal father and created something that amazingly everyone can connect to. So I think that's really, really special. In terms of like, I know you do diva songs as a segment, Brie. I think my, I don't know if I necessarily have a diva song because it is a very female driven show. Um, but in general, I think the music in this show is completely sensational um, in the best way. It's very moving, very sensitive, very emotional and very poetic. Um, so I think to me, the music in this show is really, really what makes it special. Um, and of course the performances in the original production are amazing. And last thing I'll say, the choice to, oh, I'm still here. Last thing I'll say is the choice to have three Allisons on stage um, is really amazing. I think like that was an incredibly risky choice that pays off in spades in the show. Of course, the final number features all three Allisons and it really, I thought it was kind of amazing in the way that like when Rent was first staged, it was amazing. Like there's things about the show that I think are incredible. So those are my thoughts on Fun Home. Having seen it, I really enjoyed it. It's a very emotional, moving experience, and I would recommend anyone to go see the show, especially theater fans. Thanks, guys. That was so nice of him to send us in that. I was so – because I know I he actually, had seen the musical um, when it came through. It was great to drop his phone, too. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I actually – I have – you know, I agree with, with how he feels about the novel, and I, I have, like, a response to that because – he saw it at the same place I saw it, which is not the Pantages, it's the Amundsen. And I know that um, uh, I, I know that he probably got confused just because the, um, the Pantages usually has all the Broadway, Broadway musicals yeah. and the Amundsen has a bit more experimental. But for whatever reason, this was at the Amundsen. And the Amundsen, the point I'm making about this is that um, the way it was in the Amundsen is I feel like the Broadway space. Now I've never seen the theater it was in. I've never been in that theater, but from watching uh, clips online of the original Broadway production, it's the space seemed more intimate and uh, the space in the Amundsen, they tried to make it intimate with the staging, but it's still uh, the staging. I, it's still like a, 
it's like a thrust slash proscenium stage because it's like it's like a proscenium it doesn't thrust that much but the proscenium it's not circle circular like a proscenium stage um so you're in a big theater space but you're supposed to be getting these intimate moments and I think that for me I kind of felt like oh how cool would it be if they did this like theater in the round Mm -hmm. or something like that and it seems to be that's kind of how it was staged for the Broadway musical. So I do think it gets lost in translation in some of these touring spaces just because of that. And I I think also like I, when I went back and saw online the Broadway cast, there are, um, and not to say that there was anything wrong with the touring cast. I just think the, uh, specifically for me, the young Allison, like there was something, uh, that connected with me more than the one in the touring cast. And then, Michael Cerveris is he won the Tony for this? Yeah, he's great, and he is like a Broadway legend. And so, it, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to watch a show that he originated and then like. Well, and I will say that you know, based on the fact you know he loved the novel, Jeff did, um, and it is going to be a hard test to when you love something so much to go see a adapt- right. adaptation of it and love it as much as you loved the original. Right. I mean, that happens all the times with books to film. Because you can't put everything that's in the book in the film, and just like that, you can't put everything in the book that in the musical. It's too much. Yeah. Um. So you will lose stuff, and like maybe I think you know different people will take it different ways. Different people will go in and and love what they did with it, and different people might be like, you know, I wish that they could have done a little more. Not that, you know, he obviously still liked the musical, just wanted a more of a complete feeling from it. I think it's that feeling that when we that we have when we saw something first. And then the thing that you see second, it doesn't feel, it doesn't have that same electric feeling if mm-hmm. you really connected to the first thing. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly we, we always talk about that with like, whether you saw the musical or the movie first. Yeah. You would just send to go gear towards whichever one you fell in love with first. Yeah. I actually think this would make a, to the right director and the right actors, um, if they pulled the original cast, it would make it a would great be, like indie film. That was, but would you want it to be a musical film or would you want it to be a oh, straight yeah. film? I would want it to be a musical film. But I think that obviously um, you'd have to make certain changes. Like I would almost have like Allison by herself and then intercut rather than having her be present on stage like she is in the musical because that doesn't read as well in film. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that it could make a, a great, um, like indie art house movie and then you could go see it in those like small intimate indie theaters. intimate theaters. Um, we are running a little low on time, so I do want to get to the Tony Award, uh, video that we're going to pull up in just a second. This, uh, was one best musical, best book of a musical, best original score, best leading actor for Michael Severus and, um, best Direction of a Musical. It was also nominated for Best Leading Actress for Beth Malone, Best Featured Actress for Judy Kahn, Sydney Lucas, and Emily Skeggs, and uh, Best Orchestrations, Best Scene Design, Best Lighting Design, and that's the end of that one. But you can see they won and nominated were for lots. Um, this I think was the I think this was the takeaway one that year, the one that like kind of overshadowed yeah that others. was the that was the and this it was, was 2015 that year so two years yeah. ago. Um, so we're going to play the clip right now, which you'll see Sydney Lucas and what we were talking about before. In this panel, me and my dad in a diner. Where's Betty? She went home. Lorna's on now. Caption, my dad and I both grew up in the same small Pennsylvania town. Oh. And 
I didn't know it, but both of us were gay. <laughs> Weren't you, Beren? And we were exactly alike. Put it back in. Keeps the hair out of your eyes. So what a crew cut. And we were nothing alike. I will say Do that Michael Severus's talking voice Which is exactly what I imagined when reading ah, the book. Like he, has kind a, of he has a great way of imagining characters. I've seen him live in a different production, and he's you just didn't notice her at first, Dad, but I electric. did. I saw her the minute she walked in. I'd never seen a woman who looked like her. It was like I was a a traveler in a foreign country who runs into someone from home, someone they've never met before, but somehow just recognized. Someone just came in the door like no one I ever saw before. I feel, I feel, I don't know where you came from, I wish I did. And that's kind of the stuff Jeff was talking about, where she can't complete her thought. Mm -hmm. Your swagger and your bearing and the just right clothes you're wearing, your short hair and your dungarees and your lace-up boots. Your keys, oh, your ring of keys. I love that the last thing that she's like talking about with such earnest is this ring of keys. She yeah. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be wrong. But you seem okay with being strong. I want. You're so. It's probably conceited. And the reason she doesn't finish all those lines is because she's, she's discovering she's, it. Yeah, and she's yeah. trying she's trying to take everything in and yeah. she can't hone in on one of these things. I do love the orchestrations in this musical. Yeah. And I'm glad that they keep most of the like music, even when they're talking about sad things, more uplifting because it is such intense subject matter. Yeah. I do too. And I love, I mean, this song also evokes the unspoken uh, language between two people that, um, obviously this lady might not have known this little girl was gay, but like, when you're gay people in a really small community, there is an unspoken language that you two can understand when you're in a community where you can't say it. And so that's one of the things I love that the song expresses. It's like, why can't everybody else see this thing that I see and I've connected with you on this personal level without having to say anything? Also just the final stare of her dad, like, realizing this, uh, his daughter staring at this woman. Yeah. It's just, there's something... And, like, you're right. Like, she conveys so much emotion for you in this short little period oh, of time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, for a child to... Like, 
I'm just amazed all the time with children when they're on these shows and stuff and how much emotion the thing, they Yeah, can have. the thing is, like, I have... Um, I'm like, how, you haven't even gone through anything in your life yet. How do you have this emotion right, right now? Right, that, I mean, I give kids, kid, child actors, a pass for so many things because it's like... You can't under you can't at that age completely you, like no, fathom everything. Yeah, or there's no way you everything. can have had the life experiences as an adult has had. Right. Yet. To be able to express unless that. you've had a really really intense childhood, which I hope never for any child to have. Right. And that's why I was impressed by this little girl. It's like she was able to. Um, she was able to connect to that being a young girl, being able to like understand those concepts as this little actress. Yeah, it's amazing to me. Um, so that's about all I have and we are just about out of time. Do you have anything you wanted to add before? I just want to tell you guys that we're going to be on a two-week hiatus because of the 4th of July and then we're coming back and doing Legally Blonde. On July 16th we'll be back for that one, um, which is such a fun show. ready for your bend and snap. (laughs) We're going to go on the opposite and go away from any sadness and just go into happiness for a while. Yes. Um, so we will get, see you guys on July 16th for that. And have a great 4th of July and be safe. Um, until then, you guys can find me at bfips 14 on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm 123JackieV on all platforms. Have a great, great 4th of July weekend, guys. Kevin Undergaro, Phil Spitek, Christian Harloff, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.